welcome to Queen's Kid and the Transplant. Welcome. I'd say welcome back because there was some time between our intro and our first episode, but people listening won't know that. That is true. They won't hear us talking about you being really tired. No, they they will not hear us talking about me being really tired, but it's okay. Um, Selini <laughs> slapped me across the face and said, wake up. And now I'm awake. And now we're here and we're ready to talk about Harlem. Damn it, Rachel. They're going to think that's actually true. Selene is incredibly violent. Hey! <laughs> hey, she's, she's putting a knife to my throat right now. Rachel! I don't even want to be here. I, I, feel like, I feel like that episode of The Office where um, they keep making fun of Dwight during like a taping of a meeting. Yeah. And they're like, Dwight, why is there a Muppet Babies tattoo on your ass or something and he's like no there isn't this isn't true they're being subordinate yes that's exactly (laughs) this i'm being subordinate to selene right now so yeah we are your hosts (laughs) selene dracos i'm rachel summers yeah so today our episode is about harlem specifically central slash south harlem um, there is some differences depend on who you talk to about what counts as Central, East, West Harlem. But now we're specifically focusing on everything between 110th Street to about 130th Street between maybe 5th Avenue and I'm going to say Lenox Avenue. I forgot what we were. You know, that's good. I think that that's. That sounds That's perfect good. to me. It sounds yeah. perfect. Yeah, that sounds good for Central slash South Harlem. Yeah, so Solini is our Harlem uh, liaison. I'm not going to say expert, <laughs> but I think liaison is a fun word because no one really knows what it means. It just sounds fun. So Solini has Selene's been here for almost five months. Right? Yeah, four and a half months. I have lived in Harlem. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna get into the history of it. And we're gonna talk about um. The things that make it unique and then just individual experiences and uh, put out some recommendations out there. Um, but Selene really did a great job of uh, taking the lead on this, did some uh, really uh, in-depth research. And that's where we're going to start out. So yeah. do you want to start us off with um, the, the research? And, and sure, yeah. So this might be a little more um, history loaded just because Harlem itself has a very rich history it's one of the older neighborhoods of new york um the term harlem was first used in 1685 so early on into the colonial days um and it was named after the um, city of harlem which is in the netherlands except that harlem is spelled with two a's so h-a-a-r those fancy europeans (laughs) Yeah, they gotta add letters uh, where when they don't they, belong. When they brought the name over, just an A fell off on the. Yeah. They're like, that. That reminds me of something else, but I'm not gonna, because <laughs> that, that it reminds me of something my brother told me about um Finnish baseball, that um. There's a Finnish baseball. Yeah, this is a little. This is a side beat. Okay. Um, my brother told me the other day that some guy from um Finland came to America, watched a baseball game. And then re- was relaying it to people in Finland, but forgot a lot of the details. So now, so now there's something called Finnish baseball, and it's just like a really messed up, weird version of baseball where they go in a zigzag. 
Okay, you know what? So this is the inverse of that. <laughs> maybe maybe eventually we'll have a sports episode, yeah. and we'll have your brother come on and explain to us what Finnish baseball is. Yes, yes. Actually, that's a really good idea. Yes, yes. my brother <laughs> does not know much about sports. Um, he probably he can, knows more than us. Yeah, yeah. He, he can be our resident uh, man who knows sports. Man knows sports. <laughs> <laughs> but back to Harlem. Back to Harlem. <laughs> back to Harlem. So um, when it first was settled um by the dutch at the time it was primarily farmland um you know the more urban areas of the city back then were like lower manhattan because that's where most of the ports of trade were but um so really just harlem was just farm that's what I got out of my research. That, that, that makes a lot of sense that the, the the parts of the city that were built up first were by the forts. Everything everything be about forts. I mean, yeah, if day. you look at if you look at the history of New York, it's basically just people moving more uptown over time. Like I remember I was watching this YouTube video about the Gilded Age, which was like 1870s during the industrial revolution where the rich were really rich and they were all having these fancy houses competing over who had the fanciest house and stuff and there was this one family i don't remember which one where they ended up moving uptown somewhere and i think the wife of the family was like oh but what if nobody wants to come visit us anymore (laughs) they were on what was the equivalent of somewhere between 60th to 70th street so far those poor rich people (laughs) i feel really bad for them they were all alone it's like nothing you know because i'm i'm above 120th i'm not gonna say where i don't want anyone finding out where i am it'll be in the details and in the details of the podcast we'll put selene's address social security number rachel last four digits of her uh, debit card see (laughs) i i knew it when i suggested doing a podcast with rachel i just knew she was going to turn it on me somehow and use it as a way of having my identity stolen of course that's my end goal with any friendship is to steal their identity at some point (laughs) That's any any kinds of relationship. Identity theft is not a joke, Rachel. Millions of families <laughs> suffer every year. That's an office reference. <laughs> yeah. yeah, okay. Hopefully that's the last office reference of um, the podcast. I don't want to be one of those people. Mm, I love the office, dogs, and pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, but something really interesting that we found in our research, and by research... I'm, that Selene and I did together, I do mean we went on Wikipedia. <laughs> well, as Selene did research. The, the way we decided to do the research pro, um, process was we started looking on Wikipedia as a basis and then finding sources from there to back up what was said on Wikipedia. Yes. yes. Uh, Selene uh, did a great job of that. Thank you. I, um, what, I found really, <laughs> what I found really interesting, though, that, uh, that I read was that Harlem was burned to the ground in the revolution and it took a really long time to build it back up and it was kind of um after the, the revolution was behind the city in terms of development and um and then we have in the early 1900s a lot of um I believe Jewish and Italian immigrants started coming over and one thing that I'm mean, just speculating but I was wondering if if that um that part of the city was was accessible to immigrants because um, because it it wasn't as built up, so it was less expensive. I wonder if if it it'd be really interesting if um like the two hundred fifty years 
between when it was burned down and now if um so much of it being as accessible as it has been is because it was it was burnt i mean i'm it's possible i'm not sure though because if you look at like for example the war of 1812 where the british burned washington dc and the first version of the white house was destroyed oh yeah you wouldn't be able to tell that now but on the other hand that's the nation's capital so there's probably more of a an importance placed on rebuilding and the resilience of that so i mean i don't no, because I'm sure Harlem wasn't the only place burned to the ground in New York City. That's true. Yeah. But it's possible. That would be, it would be really cool if that, not cool, it would just be interesting. But yeah, we don't, we'll, we'll, we'll make a map of places burned during the revolution. <laughs> we'll post it on the podcast. We'll post it on the podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so something about um, Harlem is that during the Great Migration, so that's when um, recently freed slaves were coming up to the north. Um, Harlem was really desirable, and something we found was that in uh, 1910, Central Harlem was 10% black people, and 1930, it had reached 70%. Yeah, and that's pretty much chalked up to the Great Migration, which was, well, there were two parts of it. Um, The first one was from 1910 to 1940, and the second part I believe was 1940 to 1970, but I don't have it written down. But it was it was about the same amount of time, just, you know, 30 years later. But that contributed a lot to um, the population boom of Harlem because um, in the 1920s, there were about 413,000 Black people living in New York City, and almost half of them were living just in Harlem. Wow. So yeah. it really became the place... It really became a big community um, for black people. And that's what contributed to um, probably one of the most interesting points of Harlem's history, the Harlem Renaissance. Yes. Um, Which for those of you who don't know what that is, it was basically a point um, between 1917 to 1930s, depend on historians, it's somewhere between that time period or maybe 1920s to 1930s. Um, was basically a point where um, a lot of black musicians and artists and playwrights um, sort of had a creativity boom and there was a lot of um, opportunities opening up for black people to present their work and showcase it to other black people, well, to other people in general, but it became very, I don't want to say sacred, but a very special place for the black community. Yeah. And yeah, Selene found out a lot of stuff out about uh, some different plays that happened at that time. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, Selene is a very enthusiastic uh, theater theater. I am now. a very big theater nerd, so, yes. Oh, but uh, you found some really great stuff. And... Yeah, for, I mean, of course, I did write it down for a reason. <laughs> um, one of the big, one of the big plays that sort of pushed the era of the Harlem Renaissance to begin was something called Three Plays for a Negro Theater, Granny Mommy, the Writer of Dreams, and Simon the Cyrenian by um, a playwright named Ridgely Torrance. And it opened on Broadway in 1917, was directed Robert Edmund Jones. And um, that I, I tried to find some excerpts of it um on the web unfortunately could not find any um it is it has been over a hundred years it may be out there 
I just couldn't find it. Um, but there was also um, a musical known as Shuffle Along, which was composed by U.B. Blake, who was um, slight, a, a very prolific um, composer, not just for, not for Broadway specifically, but for, um, I think it was vaudeville, but oh. I could be wrong. I'm not an expert, as most people know. Um, but what was interesting about um, Shuffle Along was that um, it was revived in 1933 and in 1952, and it was the basis for another musical that opened six years ago, known as Shuffle Along or The Making of the Musical Sensation of 1921 and All That Followed. But most people just called it Shuffle, shuffle Along. And yeah, when Selene was telling me about that, I was saying there should be a musical about the making of that musical. So it would be a musical. Wait, 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 what was the name that we came up with for that? I don't remember. We're saying okay. Uh, it was basically just adding another um, title of the 2016 okay. one to the, it. The making of Shuffle Along, Shuffle Along, or the making <laughs> of the musical sensation of 1921 and all that followed. Parentheses <laughs> and all that followed after that. I like that. You know what? Well, we'll pass it on to the Broadway producers, and I'm sure someone will want to take it. Yeah, there aren't I, that many good ideas on Broadway anymore, but that's for another episode. We can we can pull um uh, Ben Platt and be like, Daddy, will you buy me a musical? <laughs> ben Platt's um dad is a producer. Um, he produced Wicked and the Hanson movie, which we don't want to talk about. It's a, it's a heartwarming story of an old man <laughs> who goes back to high school. <laughs> For, you know, for people who haven't seen the Dear Evan Hansen movie, this is going to be very confusing for them. I'm just going to say, don't watch it unless you want to laugh for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's true. And one thing that uh, we found in our research that was really interesting, and one thing that um, historians attributed to the start of the Harlem Renaissance was that at the time, a lot of um, black stories were not portrayed by black actors. Um, yeah. or written by black actors and it was or um, really involved black or actors involved in at all. any sense it was yeah. um, a really um, racist kind of performance called The Minstrel Show and one thing that historians credit with starting the Harlem Renaissance was that I don't I don't remember the exact name of it but there was um, a play that was written where it definitely starred two black actors and that was a really big deal and that kind of got the ball rolling for um, a lot of these other stories to follow. Yeah, well, like um, the play I was talking about earlier, um, well, it's actually a series of three plays, but three plays for a Negro theater um, did have all black actors in that. Um, so that's one example of that, because that was not seen back then, at least not usually. But the uh, interesting thing about Shuffle Along was there was usage of blackface but by black actors because of course you know part of the minstrel shows that rachel was talking about you would have white actors and blackface which of course never okay but that's what was um, watched back then by white audiences so there were some black actors who would sort of you know kind of picked up on the fact that well this is what they're going to enjoy. So if we're going to have white actors put on um, black makeup and do these insane caricatures of what black people are, 
we're going to do that too. So you would have black people, um, black actors darkening their skin, sort of doing the um, same thing that white actors in blackface were doing, but this time doing it for them, sort of doing it for themselves. Like there was a sort of the self-awareness of what they were doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That happened. And stuff like that kind of still happens now in terms of um, just because so much of entertainment, <laughs> entertainment is yeah. still run by white people. I, no, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for uh, right now, as we're recording, it's uh, September 17th. And about a little over a week ago, um, a, a trailer for the live action Little Mermaid um, was released. Um, the Little Mermaid is being portrayed by... Um, Hallie Bailey, um, who is black, and there is a lot of backlash over it, right? Which is upsetting because you have you seen those videos of of um, little girls who are black watching the trailer and getting really excited oh, that's and so seeing cute. someone. I, yeah. I haven't. I've tried. I've kind of been offline for the last year, um, but no, that that sounds that sounds really cute, and it's great that people have something like that to like see themselves in i just i just imagine some mom being like this isn't realistic it's like it's it's a mermaid yeah nothing about uh, <laughs> it is realistic this isn't accurate to the story okay you know that isn't that story like actually um it's actually about a like a closeted writer longing for a different writer I forget who is wrote. Is it actually? Yeah, I forget who wrote The Little Mermaid. It was Hans Christian Andersen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so um it that's kind of what it was a I don't know if parable is the right word for about about like the transformation aspect and it was about um it's about his secret longing for for a, a man um oh. but to but to kind of to take a a piece of um work that isn't originally like Disney, Disney's, and be like, this isn't accurate to the source material. It's like, you know, the source material was a cartoon from thirty years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's just the fact that, I mean, part of me wants wants to say it's twenty twenty two. Why yeah. are we still doing this? Which I mean, yeah, it's twenty twenty two. Why are there still people getting upset about this? But on the, if there's anything the past like, um, six years have taught me. Why? Why am I not surprised? Why, no. why am I surprised? Like, of of course, people are gonna be complaining about a black mermaid. Yeah. Boy. And you know, of course, like, um, by no means am I an expert on anything. Uh, but something that's really interesting that I've been like reading about and learning more about is just kind of how this the Obama era uh, ushered in this pseudo, like, this idea of like post a post racial society. And that okay, so we've elected a black president. So racism is over, you guys. We did it. And then you get something like um like Hamilton where <laughs> where a Thomas Jefferson and like a known uh someone who um essayed uh, their their slaves is being portrayed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um and I mean I I I'm just trying to relate that to Harlem. I I wonder if um like all the issues in Harlem with um like the socioeconomic things not being great under like this post-racial lens being like no there's no issues here because obama's president you know <laughs> i do want to um give a disclaimer though oh, yeah. um we are both white yeah <laughs> um the racism is over sentiment was definitely more expressed in white households yeah i can't say the same about other races but for 
white families and white households, that was definitely a more predominant sentiment. Yeah, and um, so this is just our experiences. Yeah, no, we're not talking about everyone as a whole. No, yeah, we we definitely can't speak to anyone's experience, and we were, we also wanted to talk about how I think there 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 will be a lot of, of uh, pieces of media where they're like, we want to be apolitical. But being apolitical in itself is a political statement because you're kind of saying that you don't care. Um, so we don't we don't want to do that. And then you know, we do want to say that, like, the reason that things are <laughs> are the way that they are here is uh, it's increased police activity that, you know, doesn't actually keep anyone and instead just like targets people. That on, on a on a slightly more upbeat note, <laughs> let's go back to. The Harlem Renaissance. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Unfortunately, all good things come to an end. Yeah. Um, and it started slowing down once the uh, once the Great Depression um, really set into effect. Yeah. So by the 1930s, um, the Harlem Renaissance was basically, um, for the most part, over because of economic issues brought on by the Great Depression. Yeah. yeah. And... Um... One one thing that did happen in the thirties that is interesting is uh the Apollo Theater opened in yeah. nineteen thirty four. The it, height of the Great Depression. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that reminds me of that John Lenny bit of like the the um, God the the gazebo being built during the, um the Civil War. I don't think I heard that bit. Oh okay. Well yeah, in the height of the depression, uh, um nineteen thirty four um, it was opened uh the Apollo Theater. And yeah. it was a burlesque house. It was a burlesque house prior to it opening in 1934. Yeah. Saucy. Very saucy stuff. <laughs> um, and of course, there was um, a lot of jazz music prevalent during the harm. A lot of it comes, um, well, jazz has a lot of roots in blues music, ragtime, and uh, traditional African music. Um, and there's an, it involves a lot of improv and uh, syncopation. Rachel, you did a little bit of Renaissance, uh, not Renaissance. <laughs> I'm tired. Research, <laughs> my apologies, research yeah. on um, jazz if you want to. Uh, yeah. Um, I wrote a little jazz bit and maybe we can put it in post-production. Yeah. Um, so something that's really interesting about jazz is that it, it feels like something that's very instinctual because um, a lot of it's I improv, but... It's got to be like one of the most complicated forms of music play um, because I think that a lot of music uh, that's like Eurocentric is very limited. Like you play in a key and the, that key has like seven notes. And then with jazz, it's like anything is up for grabs, but it's not it's not like, oh, anything's up for grabs. So I could just do anything. You have so many tools at your disposal with jazz and um, it's up to you to make it sounds right and uh jazz has to be one of the most creative genres of music um like i i'm interested in music and i was um learning some stuff about it earlier this year and when talking about jazz you have uh, all these um all these chords that kind of look like a wi-fi password <laughs> that, that's what someone in the youtube comments was like this is a wi-fi password kind of chord like kind of um, like seven or five notes played on top of each other and, and then like a um true basic chord is like three and some some jazz chords are, are like seven notes or something played at once and it's it's just it's crazy how complicated it can be so um yeah yeah we'll maybe put the put a jazz bit in um i think that now would be a great time for like a, a break i agree and, um, and when we come back we can talk more about um our experiences in harlem yes yes yeah, so we'll, we'll talk soon 
we're back. That was Rachel's jazz piece. Um, yes. Do you have a name for it? Uh, it's just called jazz piece. It is. It is two measures of me um, uh, trying to figure out um, so, something that would sound cool, um, and just kind of making really complicated chords just for the sake of. Hmm. I wonder what would happen if I made a Wi-Fi password chord. You were jazzing it up. Uh, yes, I was just trying to jazz it up. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so now we're going to talk about our own experiences uh, here in Central Harlem. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, we record our podcast episodes in Harlem, in my apartment. So um, we've both become, since I live here and Rachel comes here uh, a few weeks at this point, yeah. we're, uh, we're, we're both becoming very familiar with it. Yeah, yeah. Um... It's it's been really interesting to uh, I definitely don't know as much as someone who's lived there lived here their whole life um, but my perception as someone who's who's had um, a few a few visits uh, we we've Selene and I have been able to see some some that uh, that make Harlem I guess not what it is but this, the, the that are unique some we've had some good food if if we wanna yeah we can get into food yes uh, or. Or maybe we could we could start with your experience living here. Yeah. Okay. Um. So I mean, I'm not gonna say. I, I don't I don't know if I have a whole lot to say just because I've only been here a few months. But you know, in a lot of ways, it it reminds me of the rest of the city. But at the same time, it's a completely different animal from the rest of the city. Like there will be there will be times where I'll look down. 125th and the metro north passes 125th so you see the elevator train and it's like oh it's like astoria um but then like you walk down a little and there's the apollo theater and it's like nope this is not astoria so i i mean personally i i enjoy it i really don't have much to complain about it, it's not it's not as busy as i thought it would be but at the same time it's busier than i thought it would be <laughs> yeah yeah because it's very residential but it's also not because there's a lot of people who live here but at the same time you go on 125th there's a red lobster what yeah that's so that's so random you've never I, seen the red lobster i don't think i have or you know i think i have and i i was like that's not real <laughs> yeah no there's a red lobster and it's very funny because um my my boyfriend's sisters um, came to visit, and one of them uh, works at a Red Lobster. Oh, that's funny. So I'm like, hey, you want to switch locations? <laughs> want to move closer to? Want to want to move? Oh, the sound of a creaky door sounds like we have a stray Michael coming in. Michael, Michael, come here. Michael is my roommate. And also the chief everything officer of factional media, Michael. You want to say something for the podcast? Hello, happy. Thank first you. Time. It's the second. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> tired. Yes, Michael did his own New York adventure today and rode almost forty miles around the city and traveled to four bur boroughs. Yeah. So good on him, but we're gonna let him rest now. Yeah. He's, He's resting. He sleeps. He sleeps. <laughs> um, so so one really cool thing, because the only um the only way I can experience things is by by with my mouth. 
either. Never say that again. <laughs> no, I will say it as much as possible, either by talking or tasting. Um, I went through this phase where I would get really drunk and lick stuff because I wanted to know how it would feel on my tongue. Oh God, yeah, yeah. I remember that. But that, that was a de- that was that was my oral fixation era. Oh wow, now, using now Freudian terms. Now I have an year. anal fixation. <laughs> My father is going to listen to this. No, he needs to know. I'm so sorry, Dad. Oh, boy. Um, so we ate some biscuits. Yes, we went to the Harlem Biscuit Company, um, located uh, on Frederick Douglass Boulevard between 112th and 113th Street. Um, just as the name implies, it's in Harlem, and there's a lot of biscuits. It was so good. It was it good. It was so moist. I will say, I mean, if you think about a Popeye's biscuit, for example, yeah. because Popeye's is notorious for how dry their biscuits are, which is sad because I actually love Popeye's yeah. and I love their biscuits, but you know, it kills my mouth whenever yeah. I eat one just from how dry it is. Do not have, you do not have this problem with Harlem Biscuit Company's no. biscuits. They are moist. And the best part is if you're being indecisive, the person who takes your order will decide for you. Yes. Which is what happened to me. That is what happened. We So I've I've eaten from there twice. Once um, I had it delivered. And then the other time, Rachel and I um, walked there from my apartment and uh, ordered at the counter. That was, that was an experience. Yeah. yeah. So I'm really, I think. We're both very indecisive people. Are we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you see that was the, a joke? Because like you're saying we're indecisive, and I was like, I can't decide if we're indecisive or not. Oh, Rachel, you know I'm too dense for that kind of humor. <laughs> Selene sinks in water. She's very dense. <laughs> I'm just a rock. But anyway, um, yeah, the um, this the uh, person who took our order, very friendly. Yeah. Um, but also she knew how to do her job. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there was there were, it was a popular spot. And it was just like, what do you want? Tell me now. I was like, hmm. Like, yeah, you know what? I got you. It's funny. You got so indecisive that I think I had to answer at one point for you. Because she's scared. like, do you want honey? And you're like, uh, and I'm like, no. She's not going to take honey. There are just too many questions. I guess. I was like, look, I wasn't ready for this quiz. I mean, ultimately, you ended up getting the Langston. I did. Yes. And it was very wait i think selene and i switched oh yeah i got the langston at first you had something else and then we switched and I yeah the langston has pickles in it i'm not a pickle fan yeah so i am yeah but the thing about the langston is it's a it's a biscuit sandwich so the biscuits are basically the pieces of bread and it's got pickle and onion and other things in the middle it was i mean from what you told me it was really good it hit yeah um when i ordered at one point i got something called the trio so three different types of biscuits with different types of toppings so there was like a like a chive butter for one of them and then jelly for another it was the i highly recommend and we're gonna we're gonna post the uh, information. Uh, we're gonna post the website for Harlem Biscuit Company as well as the uh, the other uh, restaurants we talk about uh, somewhere on the podcast. So, uh, you guys can go check that out. Um, we also have been to Harlem Shake. Yeah, yeah. We, we ordered out there, um, and that was really cool. Yeah, the thing about Harlem Shake. No relation to that 2013 um, internet trend where everyone would dance. 
No. I as don't even think that originated in Harlem, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't I don't know the origins of that. As far either. as we know, as far as we know, they're not correlated. Maybe it's from the Harlem Netherlands. It's it definitely was some someone in the Netherlands like, "Oh, what if I dance like these?" Well, we're going to have a Dutch person listen to this and be like, "That's not true." That's not how we speak. Uh, I'm going to leave a hate comment. <laughs> but when we went to Harlem Shake, it's a burger and a shake um, joint. And what's very interesting is um, when you order, you order on the app, um, whether or not you're um, picking up there or you order ahead of time. And like I said, they have um, they have burgers. But personally, I love the shakes. I mean, we had we both got orange creamsicle shakes last time. Or oh, I, I think I had the red velvet. I had like their signature thing. Oh, I think, and then you and I know I got an orange creamsicle one. I got Angel, my boyfriend, an orange creamsicle one. I had the red velvet one a different time. That one was delicious. It was so good. But yeah. the orange creamsicle one really impressed me because it tastes exactly like an orange creamsicle. Yeah, I, I, wild I, stuff. I should I should point out, um, um. Angel is also our um, sound engineer. He is sitting on an ottoman, nodding um, very happily in agreement to how delicious those shakes were. Yes. Yeah. We've been there quite a few times. We usually, whenever, if we have company over, we'll usually take them. And what's interesting is that Harlem Shake also has different events throughout the years. Oh, yeah. So every year they have something, they have a contest known as uh, Mr. Slash Miss Miss Harlem Shake. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. yeah. So when, when we went the first time, um, our friend, our friend's girlfriend's co-worker was running for um, Mr. Harlem Shake. Oh, okay. So they give you an option when you order your meal, like on the internet, well, on the web, on your phone, I guess, um, to also vote for um, Mr. slash Miss Harlem Shake. Yeah, so that was a lot of fun. They also have a Halloween costume contest, which it's September now, so that should be coming up soon. Oh, we should yeah. go. We should. Pointer Brothers. Come. We need another Pointer Brothers. Find someone. We'll, we'll, we'll go on TaskRabbit and find a third person. Yeah, Angel doesn't want to do it. I've tried to convince him. We'll find someone. Okay. There's time. There's time. Um, Yeah, and then there's another restaurant called Red Rooster yes. that we wanted to talk about. Yeah, we haven't been to that one yet. Um. Michael, on the other hand, our chief every, everything officer who uh, just popped in, has been there. They have a weekend brunch menu, oh, uh, wow. which I really want to try. I looked at the menu. Um, well, it's re- it's interesting stuff. It's it's very it's comfort food based, but you know it also adds some like other things in there to make it quote unquote trendy. But yeah, it's a, it's a very well known place, even. Even my uncle, who lives in the boondocks of Connecticut, oh, yeah. has heard of this place, and he wants to go eventually. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So he's a big foodie, though, so maybe oh, that's okay. why. But, yeah, it's definitely... The, the thing, though, I will say, it is a little more on the expensive side, so maybe more of a special occasion type place and not a I'm two years out of college type place. That's fair. That's fair. But yeah. um, definitely a place to check out, for sure. We also went to see a play yes. at one point. So um, there is a, a company known as the uh, Classical Theater of Harlem. It was founded in 1999, and as the name implies, it's uh, centered in Harlem. And it's basically a, a theater company that puts on shows that are 
very accessible to the public. So um, a few months ago, it was in July. Yeah, it was like the end of July. Yeah, they put on a production of Twelfth Night, um, a Shakespeare comedy in Marcus Garvey Park, which is not too far from where I live. So, and for um, Selene's full address, please see the details. Stop it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Twelfth Night's actually one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. I love Shakespeare. Um, For those of you who don't know that, I used to be a drama major in high school, so I'm very familiar with Shakespeare. And part of being a drama major in high school is also just like causing drama, right? Just just, like shove someone. I would love to say that's true, but I'm going to be honest. There were several different like majors in my high school, you know, the drama, vocal, instrumental, stuff like that. We might have been like one of the least like drama filled. That's funny. Yeah. If anything, it was the dance majors. That's that sounds right. That sounds right. (laughs) But yeah, it was. um, So this was an Afrofuturistic take on the play. And yes. And by accessible, uh, it was completely free. Completely free. You could just walk in there. And it's, there you are, you're in a park, it's outdoors. Think Shakespeare in the park, but uptown. Yes, Shakespeare in not, if the park is Central Park, it was Shakespeare in a park. Yeah. (laughs) A park. In a park. Yeah, Shakespeare in, in, I saw Shakespeare in a park. Oh, you you mean Shakespeare in the park? No. A park. It was a park. Yeah. It was Shakespeare. It wasn't the park. Yeah, it was specifically at the Richard Rogers Amphitheater, which is located within Marcus Garvey Park. Uh, I ended up going to see Twelfth Night twice. Um, Rachel and I saw it once. That was the first time I saw it. But I liked it so much, I I brought Angel to see it with me a few days later. Um, And both times that I saw it, uh, there were several understudies in the cast. But let me tell you, like most shows that I've seen with understudies... You wouldn't be able to tell. No, yeah, they're so good. They were incredible. Like it was amazing. It was amazing. They did so much. With, at least with the set, they did so much with so little. It was a very simplistic set, but yeah. it, it told a lot at the same time. Yeah, it worked really well. I have, the costumes were so detailed and um, a lot of color coordination. Yeah. within them, like you could. the The story of Twelfth Night is basically. Um, two twins um who were lost at sea and shipwrecked and one of them is a girl twin one's a boy twin and the girl twin in order to get around disguises herself as a boy works for this guy named orsino um who's in love with this um noble lady named olivia and so he tells the girl twin her name's viola um but doesn't realize that it's a girl she's a girl to uh go to olivia and basically be like hey you should like marry my um the guy i work for um but then olivia falls in love with viola thinking she's a guy and hijinks ensue hijinks hijinks ensue the comedy of errors which is another shakespeare play (laughs) i really like and also uses the twin trope a lot of twin tropes in shakespeare comedies no shakespeare actually had a twin named shakespeare No, but um, going back to the costumes. Um, so you could see who worked for um, Olivia and who worked for Orsino from what they were wearing. For example, um, the people who would work for Orsino were wearing a lot of like oranges and uh, people working for Olivia were wearing these shades of blue. But all the co- like costumes themselves were absolutely gorgeous. It was amazing. And the um, acting was incredible. Yeah. Uh, um, a, there was a Tony nominee who played 
Viola. Yeah. Yeah, Kara Young played um, Viola. She was amazing. Like, she's one of those few people, I could say this for a lot of the cast, though, um, who can take Shakespeare, which is just such difficult text to understand for someone in the 21st century, and just say it in a way where it makes complete sense. Yeah. I, because I did not understand what was happening during the whole show. Okay, like, well, it made sense for me. <laughs> well, 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 like, uh, like I understood the emotions of it that were conveyed by the actors. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of points where I was kind of like, uh, going, going to Selene. I kind of like turned to Selene and said, like, "What?" Yeah, I remember specifically having to whisper to you, "They're twins." Yeah. And I was... you said word for word, "Oh." Yeah. I. <laughs> because this was in the heat there was a heat wave that day it was really hot and i was having a hard time paying attention Um, late july was just very hot for new york yeah it was strange and also um a hard time sitting still so i was crossing and uncrossing my legs about every two minutes and i and if if by any chance the woman who was in front of me is listening i'm so sorry i kicked her multiple times oh no (laughs) crossing and uncrossing my legs it could be worse you could be those people who were talking behind us as if they weren't seeing a free show and like what are you doing yeah there were we we had some uh commentary from the peanut gallery We'll be talking about theater etiquette in a different episode because I will probably need to rant about it for a good five minutes. But just know that when you're at the theater, it's really important to loudly open a bag and chew really loudly. Into someone's ear. It it adds to the experience of the theater goers. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think um, one thing that they were kind of, they were saying at the start of the play about kind of, they were saying uh, Harlem is this the center of the capital of New York or just... yeah. uh, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of passion that was put into that, and I think that there are a lot of uh, neighborhoods in New York where no one is like from there. You know what I mean? Like no one, no I, like most of the people that you meet in meet like downtown or something haven't were not born and raised there. I think yeah. I saw a statistic somewhere. I'm not sure if it's true or not, but it was like one in three people who live in New York City aren't actually from New York City. Yeah. Yeah. And what it it was um different to see at least in the boroughs there are a lot of people that are from there but see something in Manhattan where people have called it their home for a long period of time was very different for me as an outsider to experience. Oh yeah. I mean it, it's funny when I I guess when I grew up I knew a lot of people who were actually from New York City because I was growing up alongside people who were also growing up in New York City. But, you know, now as I've gotten older, I mean, look, my my boyfriend's from Long Island, my roommates from what? Selene was talking about Long Island and Angel started violently throwing up and uh, we had to just kind of clean that up. He made a motion where I thought he wanted me to cut that and it turned out he was fine with it, so... Yeah, we could talk about Long Island another time. But uh, you yeah. were saying that you're you're from New York. You grew up alongside New Yorkers. Yeah, yeah. But you know, now that I'm older, I mean, the people I live with, both of them are not from the city. So, it's I guess now I'm more used to being around people who are not from New York. But I feel like that would have been such a foreign concept to me as a child. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, to grow up around people that that you're from and. That, that you're from the same area do you 
if, if, if one thing I'm curious about the people that you grew up with from the city are they still here um it's hard to say because I don't exactly keep in touch with a lot of them but from what I know I mean I'm, I'm thinking now I'm thinking specifically high school specifically high school a lot of them I think are still here or at least you know outside the city maybe like upstate or something long island but yeah no there's still a decent amount of people who live in the city but i i also you know i also grew up in queens so it's it's different queens is a different animal the farther you go into it but we're definitely going to talk about that in another episode for sure definitely yeah um but if if we were wrapping up and uh selene if if someone was uh, considering whether to move to Harlem and uh, went to you as someone who's been here for a bit and grew up in the city, uh, what would what would you say to them? You know what? I would say go for it. Yeah, I... It's, it's not so unfamiliar that you wouldn't be able to adjust to it. Yeah. Like, I... I feel comfortable. My boyfriend feels comfortable here. My roommate feels comfortable here. I'm having a good time. Like, I think, don't get me wrong, I love Astoria. This isn't, you know, like, the area I live in Astoria isn't my favorite part of Astoria. Yeah. But I, I I, enjoy, like, I'm, I'm glad I left. Yeah. I'm glad I left, for sure. But I will say, um, there is, there might be a little bit of a culture shock just for some people who maybe grew up in a more predominantly white area so just you know make sure to be respectful of that because i mean it, it hasn't bothered me because i am from the city but i can see someone who's not from the city maybe being a little surprised. yeah so come to harlem but come respectfully yeah absolutely <laughs> if we had to boil it down to <laughs> to if we had to boil down the long rich history of an incredibly dense area to one cent <laughs> oh my god don't be, come don't be one of those people if i had to boil the very complex rich diverse history of one sentence for me because i'm all about speed <laughs> also there is one more thing i want to oh, say yeah. try to shop small business oh definitely um harlem like a lot of other places is suffering some from some gentrification so we don't want it to become unaffordable like other parts of the of the city specifically manhattan yeah has become um don't go to the red lobster (laughs) (laughs) i don't think anyone goes to the red lobster no disrespect to red lobster yeah it's it's important that the people who um call this home are able to to do that for as long as they feel yeah. that they are at home. That's a good way of putting it. Don't go to Red Lobster. <laughs> I would say try to avoid ordering on Amazon unless you have to. If yeah. You, if you need something, just run over to Red Lobster. <laughs> if, if you're gonna order like a, if you need like some scissors or something, don't go buy it on Amazon. Well, there, there's so many them. stores just on 125th. You have Marshalls, you have CVS. There's a Whole Foods. Um, small businesses. <laughs> These are some small businesses. Small businesses. You, you know what? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm kidding. I will say, um, yeah, those are bad examples. But 
Those are bad examples. No, 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 no. Don't listen to a okay. word I say. Um, no, it's it's. I think uh, um, the Harlem. If 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 you want to find those things, they're here. Uh, small businesses. That's a good way of putting it. Yes. Yeah. So um, come, but come respectfully. Um, and I think maybe that's something that we could say about a lot of neighborhoods, a lot of places in the city. Absolutely. So come, parentheses, respectfully. Yeah. And you could spell that however you want. Yeah, but there's a whole song about how to spell respect. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I think... I think we're good. I think on that note, we're going to wrap it up. So um, uh, props to Selene for doing uh, so much research and a oh, great, diligent you. job. Props um, to Rachel on the jazz piece. Oh, thank you so much. And uh, props props to uh, Angel. Um, he's still recovering from the Long Island bit uh, <laughs> uh, um, uh, for, for setting us up and making sure that we don't we don't peak because we don't want to peak we're no. getting we're going to peak at some point yeah we're, we're not, not gonna peak on episode two we're not gonna we peak can't. on episode two yeah um, props to Michael for interrupting us yeah and I love and, you Michael and props to, props to uh um the people of Harlem for um uh being being so passionate yeah yeah all right um and on that note uh this podcast is made in part by factional media podcast artwork was created by kennison i don't know how to pronounce her last name that's actually her last name her last name is i don't know how to pronounce her last name it's not (laughs) (laughs) um follow us on instagram we should probably script this out shouldn't we rachel no i think it's fun to do it like this. It's not fun for me. <laughs> uh, follow us on Instagram. Follow Selene's house in the description. Oh, God. Um, I'm going to lose my packages. It's okay. You don't need them. <laughs> just yeah, that's go, right. Just go don't run, order from Amazon. Just go run over to Red Lobster. Um, what's our Instagram? <laughs> I don't even know. Um, our Instagram is queenskid underscore and underscore transplant. All right, and uh, next time you hear from us, we'll be talking about Rachel's area of expertise, Bushwick. The Wick, which is what no one calls it. And I hope they never do. And I hope they never do. So thank you so much for listening, Um, and we hope you have a great day. Bye. Bye.